hello to all our listeners. The title of our talk this morning is Joel, and the title, I Will Pour Out My Spirit Upon All Flesh. I Will Pour Out My Spirit Upon All Flesh. You know, following on from Joel's locust swarm, during the week past, I read an article about the present swarms of locusts in Iran. A man called Mohammed Rezi Mir, a spokesman for the ministry's plant protection organization, said the desert locusts has attacked more than 200,000 hectares. That's about 500,000 acres of orchards and farmyard in seven of Iran's 31 provinces. The semi-official news agency ILNA reported Iran may use its military for a second year to help fight locusts that have invaded the south of the country. An agricultural ministry official was quoted as saying, as the swarms threaten to destroy crops worth more than $7 billion. Mir, Mohammed Mir again, he said the affected areas stretching from the eastern Iran on the border with Pakistan to the southwestern border with Iraq were likely to increase soon to one million hectares. And the hectare is about 2.4, uh, 2.4 acres. If my calculations are correct, and what he says there is correct, it would equal an area of about half the size of Wales. It's very hard to conceive such an area of devastation. It does, however, help us to understand a bit more clearly what Joel was up against and was talking about in his prophecy. And then again we are reminded of the invading army which will come against Israel in the day of the Lord and the amount of devastation which it will cause before it is utterly and completely defeated and that's just by the way as an extremely serious aside and a dire and grim warning to anyone listening to these talks on Joel and who has not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour that is committed their life to him the Bible clearly shows that before the start of the Great Tribulation, an event known as the Rapture will take place. All believers will be taken from this earth to heaven. Therefore, all those remaining will face the trials, wickedness and torments of the Great Tribulation. Here is how the Lord described that. The coming days of tribulation. For then shall be great tribulation. Such as was not since the beginning of the world. To this time. 
no, nor ever shall be. You know, even a cursory glance at the book of Revelation should convince any listener that to be on earth at the time of the great tribulation will be one of extreme anguish and even death. There are no prophecies which remain unfulfilled before this event can take place. And so it may occur at any time. The Bible says, prepare to meet thy God. A very good bit of advice. Christ has suffered at Calvary all the punishment due to me for my sins. Therefore, when I trust in him, I am no longer under a cloud of punishment. Top Lady, uh, who has written some very good hymns years ago, he wrote this hymn, From Whence is Fear and Unbelief. Since God my Father put to grief his spotless Son for me, can he the righteous judge of men condemn me for that debt of sin which Lord was charged to thee. If thou hast my discharge procured and freely in my place endured the whole of wrath divine, payment God not, will not twice demand first at my bleeding surety's hand and then again at me. As we study Joel, I find it helpful to go back and read Matthew 24 and uh, perhaps go back to the last few verses of chapter 23 from around verse 37 to get the continuity. This chapter, chapter 24 of Matthews, forms a part of a discourse which takes in the history of the godly Jewish remnant which we have spoken about, the history of Christendom and the judgment of the nations. It is important to note that this chapter does not include anything about the church it was spoken to the Jews who as yet were not privy to such teaching open your Bibles and look at Ephesians 3 verses 8 to 10 Paul speaking unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unspeakable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world had been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent 
that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. The last sentence there is, is interesting. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. In our studies we have seen how God, the God of Israel, uses these destructive powers to bring about a change in his people's faith and trust in their God. And again, remember we looked at in Amos 3 verse 6, Shall a trumpet be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? Shall there be evil in the city, and the Lord hath not done it? The evil spoken of here is not sin, but is it is a uh, of punitive character, such as invasion by hostile forces, the sword, the famine, and the pestilence, and so on, brought about by and resulting from the disobedience to God, such as false worship and the like. God did, of course, protect his people. For instance, in Zechariah 14, verse 3, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. That will happen at the day of the Lord. Isaiah 11 and 11 and it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand against again the second time to recover the remnant of his people which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and other places he shall bring again his chosen people back to Israel his godly remnant today however we will look at a particular prophecy mentioned in Joel. Up until now, in chapter 2 of Joel, we have seen a damaged land which was once as the Garden of Eden, but is now totally laid waste by this locust swarm. But here is a change in the tone of the prophet. Verse 12, chapter 2 of Joel. Therefore also now, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning. And rend your heart, and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth himself of the evil. Who knows if he will return and repent, and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering, unto the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Sanctify a fast, call a solemn 
assembly. Complete change. We've seen the disaster this swarm of locusts had caused. And now God says, return unto me. Here God pleads with his people. Turn to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. I think this command is so practical. How easy it is to show a rent garment to the world. But the turning God wants here is something much deeper than a mere show. I remember a friend of mine years ago, every now and then he would decide to fast. He never had to tell me. He always looked so miserable. He was getting his reward by people realizing that he was a fasting. Rend your heart and not your garments. And then it goes on to say, Turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. When we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, we come in true repentance and faith. Repentance is a change of mind, turning from from embracing sin to the, the Lord Jesus Christ. From the rejection of Christ to faith in Christ. Such repentance is something which only God can enable. Therefore, true biblical repentance, if it is genuine, should always result in a change of behavior and should also be progressively obvious that that person has turned from their sin to salvation in Jesus Christ. And then that verse goes on to say, verse 13, and repenteth him of the evil. God is speaking about God here. It says he repenteth him of the evil. Well, does God have to repent? If Israel will turn to God, then that repentance on Israel's part will result in them receiving from God all the blessings which were there for them before they deserted him. Another verse sort of explains this. John 3.36 We have such an example here. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Before we come to Christ in repentance, the wrath of God is on us. As it says in that verse, 
the wrath of God abideth on him. When I return to God with all my heart, then I am no longer under God's wrath. God's wrath hasn't changed. But because we have accepted his Son as our Saviour, he now transfers his love and his graciousness and his peace into our hearts. Joel continues, verse 16 of chapter 2, Gather the people, sanctify, set apart them from God. The temple had lots of utensils in the big temple. They were sanctified. They were set apart for the use of God. And this is what this prayer is saying to the people. Gather the people, sanctify them, assemble the elders, gather the children, and those that suck the breaths. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber, and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine inheritance to reproach, that the heathen would rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, Where is their God? Oh yes, if these people were returning to God, it would be obvious to their neighbours where they were living. Return with mourning to God. You do not see that around very much today. Weeping and mourning for the sin of our nations. And then from verse 18 onwards, the whole thing changes once again. It says, Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. If they will return to God, then the Lord will be jealous for his land and pity his people. If they repent, then God will act. What a promise. And in the next few verses, we see all the blessings that will occur and happen if those people will truly turn to God that they will rend their hearts and not their garments says yea the Lord will answer and say unto his people behold I will send you corn and wine and oil and ye shall be satisfied therewith and I will no more make you a reproach unto the heathen but I will remove far off from you the northern army and will drive him into the land barren and desolate with his face towards the east and his hinder part the utmost sea and his stink shall come up and his ill favour shall come up because he hath done great things. 
Some of these verses refer obviously to the land in Joel's day, but they are also pointing forward to the day of the Lord when the northern army will be defeated and utterly destroyed. Verse 21 Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Do not be afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring, for the tree beareth her fruit, and the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. And the floors shall be full of wheat. Talking about the barns and the fats. The fats shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten. The canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. Do you get that again? God speaking, he will restore the years that the locusts have eaten, my great army which I sent among you. And ye shall eat in plenty, and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed, and ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed obviously that is looking to the day of the Lord after the battle of of Armageddon what a change does this happen in Joel's day a lot here is for the land in Joel's day does it last I don't think so so then read on Read on from verse 28. This is so important. 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. 
And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem it shall be deliverance. As the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Now, I want to look at Acts. Acts chapter 2 and verse 16. And this is interesting. Peter is speaking to the pilgrims at Pentecost. After Christ had ascended up on high, Peter and the other apostles were in the upper room, 120 people all gathered in the upper room and the Holy Spirit came down so wonderfully on that day of Pentecost. Jesus had said, wait in Jerusalem and he would send another comforter. Verse 17 And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. At the start of this, Peter said, But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And I will show wonders in heavens and signs in the earth, blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ye men of Israel. And remember he's speaking here to a, the, the pilgrims who had gathered for the day of Pentecost. But also to the elders. And this is what he said to them. Ye men of Israel. Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves know. Him being delivered by the determinate knowledge of and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holden of it for David speaketh concerning him I foresaw the Lord always before my face for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Now, 
that's the prophecy that Joel had in the book of Joel and then this is Peter speaking and he said speaking to the pilgrims but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel now you may remember I hope you will a few weeks ago we spoke for a very short time on something called Midrash this was in relation to understanding some prophecy not only as a prediction but also as a pattern for instance some prophecies have the original prophecy made then over the years may have a few apparent partial fulfillments until the last and final total fulfillment he said we looked at things about Joseph and uh, his brethren in Egypt this is such an example we have the prophecy in Joel which obviously was not fulfilled in his time and then again Peter as recorded in Acts above when speaking at Pentecost at the giving of the Holy Spirit however this was not the complete nor final fulfillment yes the Holy Spirit had come at that wonderful Pentecost the apostles were given the gift of tongues and the multitudes of pilgrims gathered in Jerusalem for the feast heard the wonderful gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ each in their own language and they could then go home with the knowledge that Jesus of Nazareth was indeed who he said he was the Messiah of the Jews the Son of God and the Saviour of the world a wonderful truth occurred at that same time the Holy Spirit one of the Godhead we have the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit had come into the world and still is in the world today he also dwells in the lives of each believer until we are presented in glory John 14 verse 6 and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever and Ephesians 1 13 and 14 in him in Christ you also after listening to the message of truth the gospel of your salvation having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory we have a guarantee from the Lord that the Holy Spirit will abide in us uh, forever 
once we hear the gospel message and we respond to it then we receive the Holy Spirit and we it will he will stay with us forever you know I'm always tempted to, to wonder why in Anglican churches they keep praying all the time take not thy Holy Spirit from us God has promised if we are truly repentant and turn to him for his wonderful salvation through Christ we receive the pledge and the pledge from God will never be broken he will abide with us the Holy Spirit forever and thus the final fulfillment for this prophecy will be completed when when the day of the Lord shall come as is stated quite clearly in Joel chapter 2 this will occur at the end of the great tribulation Matthew 24 as I was saying you will find in Matthew 24 the answer to so many questions Jesus speaking immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken and then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other isn't that wonderful Christ will return with all that power and glory and he will gather up the godly remnant the godly remnant of Israel will be restored to their land and will dwell in safety forever our Lord will set up his millennium kingdom and will rule from the throne of David in Jerusalem the capital of Israel and the world the land will be restored and the people blessed here is how prophet Zechariah described it and I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications and they shall look upon him whom they have pierced and they will mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn in that day shall there be a great mourning in Jerusalem as the mourning of Hadadrimen in the valley of Megiddo and the land shall mourn 
every family apart. The family of the house of David apart, and their wives apart, and the family of the house of Nathan and their wives apart, and so on. And then will follow the time when Israel will once again be a blessing to the nations of the earth, which was always what God had planned for them in the first place. Look at Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee and I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless you and curse him that curseth thee and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And we will be there if we are born again believers we'll see all this taking place with our Saviour. Jude verse 14 and 15 Behold the Lord cometh with thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to Convince all that are ungodly among them all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Our Lord will judge people in those days. Now here's something for you to ponder over. Numbers 23 and verse 9. For from the top of the rocks I see Israel, and from the hills I look at him. Behold, the people of Israel shall dwell alone, and will not be reckoned among the nations. Have you ever wondered why the Jews have always maintained their own individuality, their own language, their own religion for thousands of years? As we shall probably see next week, Israel was never reckoned among the nations. She was scattered among the nations abused by the nations, killed by the nations, driven from their land. But God never reckoned Israel among the nations. They were his chosen people. And he soon will gather Israel from among the nations back to the land given to Abraham forever. Forever.